0: Hello, welcome to back to my podcast. It's a uh, been a while. Take care of things, school, work, fun stuff, right? But what better time to uh, come back than the day the Sweet Sixteen started to the NCAA March Madness? So in this episode, just gonna make my picks. Tell you who I got. In 316, who's gonna win? Um, Going to just recap some of the big moves that happened so far in the NFL offseason. Sorry, not every single one. I don't have the budget or the time for that. (laughs) Also, New York City lifted its COVID vaccine mandate. What does that mean for the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving? What does that mean for the Yankees and the Mets? Talk about that in a second. And also, I'm going to do my first MLB Division Preview. Man, that sounds good to say. And here we go, man. This NFL off offseason has been one of the craziest I've seen in a very, very long time. I mean... Just to recap some of the moves. First of all, let's start with the Tom Brady thing. Yes, he retired. And I'm pretty sure the last time I recorded a podcast, I gave a nice heartwarming thank you to Tom Brady for all the great years he's given us. I feel dumb now. <laughs> I know, I should have known better. I should have known that Tom Brady was not coming back. Not, not staying retired for long. What was like Two months. Two months (laughs) he was retired. Um, Yeah, now he's back. And now the Buccaneers are now sitting in a pretty good spot in the NFC right now. Um, Obviously, the Rams are still really good. I don't trust anybody in the NFC East to be any good. Their division right now is absolutely horrible. Even worse now, thanks to uh, certain quarterback moves that I'll get into in a minute. Um, the NFC West is not as good as people think anymore, especially now that Seattle's going in the rebuild. So many question marks. San Francisco, the quarterback position, and the Cardinals are the Cardinals—they'll find a way to screw things up. So the NFC is really just a really toss, up, really big old toss up right now. Oh, and the North—um—who knows what's going on in Green Bay, in the rest of that division? But that's for another dis- discussion. But back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady coming back to Tampa Bay has already affected so many moves and so many free decisions from, obviously, Tampa Bay Buccaneers' decisions and moves. I mean, here's some of the names they brought in thanks to uh, Tom Brady's return. And, yes, this might be because of Tom Brady. Um, Ryan Jensen came back. Um, they traded for Shaq Mason, the guard out of, well, New England. Um, Carlton Davis came back. Their corner for them, even though the secondary was pretty much awful. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Russell Gage has come to Tampa Bay. A really great, a pretty good number three, if you ask me. Leonard Fournette has made his return. We're probably going to see Robert Gronkowski come back. So. That'll, that'll do it. That's what the Tom Brady effect will do to you. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Buccaneers are one of the early favorites to win the Stewart Bowl in the NFC outside of the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. So there's that. Um just want to get this out of the way now. Um, Russell Wilson being traded to the Denver Broncos. Now, I know this is probably a little later than most people think about it, but uh, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you should know by now I am a Seattle Seahawks fan. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of did see this coming, but I didn't know where. And him going to the Broncos really makes me think about this. Russell Wilson just went to a division that's going to be way harder. But he's still in a good position to compete for a title in Denver, who was supposedly a QB away. Now now we get to see if that was true. Now we get to see if that was true. Because Russell Wilson, he did... (laughs) He done it. He's been carrying Seattle teams to the playoffs for, year, for the past couple seasons. Now he has to go to Denver and probably save some jobs in Denver because if this doesn't work out, there will be some heads rolling in Denver. But it is what it is. We'll see how it goes going to the team that he uh, beat in Super Bowl 48. Now, as for Seattle in this trade, obviously we got back Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, two first-round picks. This one being the ninth overall pick and the next one being probably in the mid to low 20s, maybe even the 30s, if the Broncos actually get their hopes and dreams fulfilled. But it's not going to be bad us else. So we'll see how that works out. And I believe they also got a second-round pick out of this. So, I'm iffy on the players, the picks. I don't know. Seattle's not been known for drafting the past couple of years, so we'll see how they do with that number nine overall pick. I can see them going a few ways. Um, I can see them going corner. I can see them going – no, I I was going to say quarterback, but I don't see them really going quarterback. If they do go quarterback, it's probably going to be the trade market. I mean, obviously, they just got Drew Law back. They could go for a Baker Mayfield, who could be on the move here pretty soon because of a, another move I'll talk about here in a second. So, yeah, I don't know where Seattle goes. Obviously, they also got Bobby Wagner on the same day, which really stung. Obviously I couldn't. <laughs> oh, man, that one stung too. But It is what it is, rebuilding time in Seattle. So we'll talk about that for a while. Hopefully the rebuilds short. <sighs> On to the Chargers. They traded for Khalil Mack. Another pass rusher to go alongside Joey Boso, which could be a dangerous duo. Along with selling JC Jackson priving him away from the Patriots, which is huge for the secondary. Now that secondary is really gonna be something. Between Asante Samuel Jr., I believe. And obviously. J.C. Jackson, and there's one other corner I can't think of right now, but I know he's pretty good. Obviously, Darwin James on that defense as well. Ugh. The linebacking core, mm, still questionable about that, but we'll see how it goes from there. I do like this move. I do believe they are now the best defense in, the AFC, in AFC West, without a doubt. I do believe they could potentially be the best defense in the AFC if things go right, but we got a long way to go to the regular season and we still got the draft which comes up in about a month. So we'll see how it goes. But I do think they can finally get over that hump and finally we'll see Justin Herbert into the playoffs. And if not, <laughs> instead of and Staley to get a boot, get the boot. Now this one shocked me, but didn't shock me at the same time. Deshaun Watson to go into the Browns. Now Honestly, there were reports going into Deshaun Watson's trade trade parade that there were the Browns were interested, and eventually, initially Deshaun Watson said no, and it was apparently a two down between the Panthers and the Saints. But in the end, Deshaun Watson decided to go to Cleveland, and Cleveland was able to pull the trigger. Now, there's still some things to figure out, obviously, when it comes to his legal situation. I know he won't be tried criminally for his sexual assault allegations, but still so much surrounding that whole mess still. Obviously, they still got to go through the civil courts, all the civil lawsuits. Will the NFL suspend Deshaun Watson for a month or so? I don't know. That's going to be decided sooner or later. And also, the other question is, what did the Browns do with Baker Mayfield? Obviously, there was interest in the Colts, but the Colts went out and traded for another quarterback in Matt Ryan. Talk about that in a second. Now, it feels like Baker Mayfield has only two options, or three options, realistically. He can either go to the Carolina Panthers, but I don't think he'll go there because they're still paying Sam Darnold quite a bit of money, and I don't think anyone's going to be trading for that Sam Darnold contract anytime soon. And there's the Seattle Seahawks, obviously – I don't know how much they really think they can stick with Drew Locke. Maybe they try to go for another quarterback that can somewhat be consistent. I mean, I think Baker Mayfield with J.K. Metcalf and Drew Duk- and Tyler Locke, it could be okay. So we'll see how that if that ever happens, or if they do cut him because they're apparently they're asking for a first round pick and no one in the right mind is going to give up a first round pick for Baker Mayfield. So. Maybe they cut him and maybe the Steelers pick him up. I don't know how much they really trust him, Mitchell Trubisky. I heard they've been talking with Malik Willis Malik Willis out of Liberty because they apparently like him a lot. So there's that to consider. But who knows? The whole thing around Baker Mayfield's a enigma right now in Cleveland. So we'll see how that goes. And, yeah, let's talk about the Matt Ryan move. Matt Ryan going to the – Freaking Colts for only a third round pick. Atlanta, what are you doing? You could have gotten a lot more for Matt Ryan than a third round pick, in my opinion, but it is what it is. Matt Ryan's done a major solid here going to the Indianapolis Colts. Who I believe Matt Ryan is a major upgrade over Carson Wentz, who they traded to the Washington Commanders for a little for a small compensation, but it is what it is. Carson Wentz obviously got a lot of the blame in Indianapolis for what happened near the end of the season where they lost the Jaguars at the end to miss the playoffs. Got a lot of slack for that. So they moved off of him, got Matt Ryan, a older veteran quarterback, who I believe will thrive in this Colt system. Honestly, Jonathan Taylor still probably going to be the focal point of that offense next year. Got some pretty decent weapons up in Indianapolis, led by guys like Michael Pittman and I believe Mo Ali Cox is still there. Maybe they go get go out and give one more weapon for Matt Ryan. Obviously, the defense is still superb in Indianapolis. I can see Indianapolis with Matt Ryan compete for an AFC South title next year. And Matt Ryan could put the Colts up in that next year. But, again, I got to see where the, what they do in the draft. Free agency is still going on. All that stuff. And then, of course... The trade that shocked the world, that shocked Green Bay, Wisconsin. Devontae Adams going to the Raiders. Now, this one had to do a lot with money. I mean, saying simple, Packers didn't have enough money to pay Devontae, try to tag him. Devontae didn't want to pay on the tag, play on the tag, and boom, Raiders. (laughs) And uh, it reunites Derek Carr with, Devontae Adams. Remember, they played together at Fresno State during their college days. They're good friends. So it just works out perfectly for Devontae Adams. And it gives the Raiders a lot. And I mean a lot. A lot, of really good offense. I mean, a, I mean, a pretty good offense. Derek Hart, quarterback, he's no slouch at the quarterback position. He's not elite, but he's no slouch. Devontae Adams, best receiver in football. Hunter Renfro, one of the better route runners in the NFL. Darren Waller, who's really good. A really good tight end. Top five tight end in the league. Josh Jacobs, not that bad of a running back. He's pretty good. A solid offensive line, in my opinion. Of course, my question mark for me is still on the defense. I'm pretty sure they signed as the pass rusher. I can't remember who it is at the moment. Chandler Jones. That's what – yeah, Chandler Jones. He went to the Raiders as well. That – Again, the AFC West is going to be tough, man. Obviously, the Chiefs, they just traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins for some odd reason, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. Now I do like this Raiders offense a lot. It's going to be interesting to see how they do under offensive co- – I mean, offensive oh, – co- I'm so used to seeing him as an offensive coordinator, but head coach Josh McDaniels. We'll see how it goes, and I'll say like I talked talk about the Tyreek Hill trade that just happened recently. Um, all I'll say about that Tyreek Hill trade is this: I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, Patrick Holmes lost a huge weapon. It's gonna be interesting to see how they try to replace him. I know they just signed Marquez Vanley Skinley. MVS, so that's going to be interesting. See how he fits in that offense. Um, Juju, they also signed Juju Smith Schuster. So, honestly, none of those guys are talented as Tyreek Hill. Obviously, you still got Travis Kelsey there, so we'll see how Patrick Mahomes does without Tyreek. And also, Tua. He has no excuse now in Miami. He has the weapons. You guys like Tyreek. Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki, he has the weapons, right? I believe if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs in the AFC, two is out. Two is out. They're going to be aggressive. <laughs> next year's quarterback class is going to be interesting. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, I don't know who's going to be out there in free agency or in trade market next year. So there's that to consider. But, yeah, like Tua, this is your last chance. If you don't perform, if you don't deliver at least a playoff run, you're done in Miami. Oh, and the last thing I want to talk about is Von Miller to the Bills. I personally don't understand why he got so much money. It was like $60 to 100 and something million, dollars, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So, yeah, that's just my thoughts on some of the bigger moves in the NFL offseason so far. Obviously there's a lot more to talk about, but uh oh, so like I said, I didn't really I don't really have the time or pretty much just have the time to keep track of all of them. But for the big ones, I just want to give my thoughts on all those. If I had to write all these moves, I think the most impactful move is obviously gonna be Russell Wilson to Denver. I think that te- I think he makes that team so much better than they were a year ago. In the and the one that, and I don't know, I believe the worst one of these could, all the moves I talked about, probably was probably going to be Von Miller to the Bills. I mean, he's older. He paid him a lot of money. He's going to be in his probably mid 40s by the time y'all done paying him, but that's just how it goes. That's how it goes. So, ladies and gentlemen, last night we got some news about the New York City mandate. And the mayor, Eric Adams, has announced that he's going to lift the COVID vaccine mandate in New York City for athletes and performers. Now, this is great news if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, because now you're finally going to get Kyrie Irving back full-time, not just on the road, full-time. You are going to, if you're a Yankees or a Mets fan, great news for y'all too, because obviously you don't know who's vaccinated, who's not unvaccinated who's unvaccinated, obviously, if, if you're a Yankees fan, there's always questions about if Aaron Judge is vaccinated or not. That doesn't matter now. They can play. The rule was confusing and weird already, but they don't matter anymore. It's done. It's over with. New York fans, you can finally have your moment. So, obviously, we know what it means for the Yankees and the Mets. What does it mean for the Brooklyn Nets? The Brooklyn Nets, right now, they're currently sitting in the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, so they're going to be in the playing game. Now, they do have nine games left in the regular season, including one against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are currently sitting in the sixth seed, but they are like four and a half games back. Three and a half games back of them, so I don't think that really matters. At this point, I don't think there's going to be enough time in nine games to catch up to the six-seeded Cleveland Cavaliers. There's just not enough time. But it does give the Nets enough time to get into a groove, get some chemistry back, and get hot before the playoffs begin. In the next nine games, they play the Miami on Saturday, the Hornets, the Pistons, the the Bucks, the Hawks, the Rockets, the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Pacers. That's how they finish off the season. Not too bad of a schedule, so they definitely have ample opportunity to get a groove in here. Now, if the playing were to begin today, they would play Toronto. In Toronto, obviously Kyrie would not be able to play in Toronto due to the vaccine stuff in Toronto. I don't, I don't want to. I'm not going to get into the Canadian politics of all this, but it's basically the same thing would happen in New York. Um, so let's say they still lose that one. They would probably get the winner of Hornets versus Hawks at home. Now that Kyrie can play at home, I am more confident in this team to beat a team like the Hornets or the Hawks. Those teams have just been bad or mediocre all year long. Um, so that would probably put them in the first-round matchup between the, the, the Heat The Sixers, the Bucks, or the Celtics. Those four teams are the only ones still in contention, I believe, for the first seed in the East. I'm not going to be the one that says it's going to be Miami indefinitely because they only have a a game-and-a-half lead up in the standings, and they still got to play Boston one more time. They're done with Milwaukee and Philly. But I don't know. The way Miami's playing right now, I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, hang on to that seed or not. But let's just say it's Miami for... Just for my sake, I'm a Heat fan. So let's talk about let's talk about the matchup as to say the Heat are still there. That's a really tough actually for any of these teams. Actually, that's still gonna be a tough first round matchup. Like, there's conversations about the Heat being potentially the worst first seed in NBA history. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about how this Brooklyn Nets team could be the best eighth seed ever. Like, this could be the strongest eighth seed in Anyone's ever seen going into a playoff series ever. Like, there's going to be some times where I believe uh, mo- some of these teams that the Nets could be favored to win a first-round series, whether it be Miami or Boston or Philly. Who knows? I mean, that's just how the way Vegas works. I- I'm not going to say that a favorite to win a first-round matchup against any of these four teams, but They could. They could. Course, we're not quite there yet, so we'll see how that goes. So, and of course, there's still a big question mark about Ben Simmons. Is he going to be able to come back or not? Because that's the only question mark I have with this Nets team. Obviously, we know Katie and Kyrie are great, they can do fantastic things. They can drop 30, 40, maybe even 50 points and get any given night. The only question mark I got for this Brooklyn Nets team is. Defensively, can they get a stop? Now, against Miami, whose offensive game is eh, okay, I believe they could. But against Philly, Brooklyn, not Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston, I'm not 100% sure they can get the stops that they need in a first round series. So, there's that to keep in mind. So, the only thing, one of the biggest obstacles for the Brooklyn Nets is gone. Kyrie not being able to play at home. That obstacle is gone. It's over with. Now they just need to figure out can they get some stops when they need to? Can they get over the big boys in the Eastern Conference, being the Bucks, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Heat? And will they finally start playing like the playoff contender we think or that we think them to be? They just got blown out by the Grizzlies last night. So. There's that to keep in mind, but only time will tell. So, with, ML- with the MLB opening day right around the corner, two weeks from today, in fact, I thought let's go ahead and get my division previews for you know, well, each division in MLB. Get my thoughts on every team, which team I think is going to win the division, which team I think is going to have, well, just a better season overall, and what the final standings are going to be in their division. So, which division I decided first to go with first. I did a base off a random. number. Obviously, the six divisions in baseball, I generated a random number one through six, it landed on four, and four happened to be this division, the National League East. Now, this division is compelling, because honestly, if these teams all play lay up to the potential, I can see three potential playoff teams in the National League East. Let's start off with the defending champions, the Atlanta Braves. Obviously, they lost Freddie Freeman, Jock Peterson, those guys, and free Jose Ortega and C. They're gone. They also gave a Christian Pache in a trade to get Matt Olson, so you replace Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson. That's uh not a bad replacement whatsoever. I do like the rotation for the Atlanta Braves still. Obviously, they got guys like Max Free, Ian Anderson. I believe they're gonna get Charlie Morton back for another run. I do like this rotation. They picked up Kenley Jansen for a bullpen I thought was already really good in Atlanta. So that helps their run out a little bit. So they have the experience. Oh, and they also got a all star MVP type caliber player coming back in Ronald Acuna Jr. So that helps a little bit, but we'll see how quickly he can return because I don't think he's going to be available for the first few months of the season. So there's that. So, the big question for them is for me is can they repeat as world champions? Potentially, potentially. I have the Atlanta Braves finishing with a record of 89-73. and I think that's going to be good enough to finish second in the division behind this team, the New York Mets, who they went crazy in free agency this year, which is good, which is good because we don't see that a lot in baseball anymore for whatever reason. So they added Max Scherzer to stay at the top of the rotation along with Jago DeGrom. They added Chris Bassett in a trade with the Okanese. Chris Bassett's going to be a pretty good number three for them. Starling Marte, Eduardo Escobar, Mark they are going to be solid additions to that lineup that already has some pretty good hitters. In Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jeff O'Neill, and so forth. The bullpen, I believe, is still going to be a question mark for this team. But... I think they can figure that out. I got the fishing with a record of ninety-two and seventy at their best. I do think this could be a good enough to win the East. The question is, for me, can Buck Showalter, who got hired as the manager of the New York Mets, can Buck Showalter, hasn't managed in a while, mind you, can he get the Mets finally over the hump and get them back to the playoffs? Will the "Lol Mets" meme die this season? Only time will tell. On to the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, the Phillies, they added some pretty big bats into the lineup. They added Nick Castellanos. They added Kyle Schwarber. They also got Corey Knable to help out in the bullpen, which is atrocious last year in my opinion. The losses were pretty substantial. They lost Archie Bradley and Andrew McCutcheon. Those are their quote-unquote bigger losses, but I think they can survive by losing those two. Now, I still have some question marks about their pitching. Obviously, Noah's fantastic. can be great when he's on. Zach really has been pretty good. Just had to wait and see how that all pans out. The pitching still a question mark, in my opinion, like I just mentioned. But with all the firepower there, I am But the additions of Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwab, obviously you guys got like JT Rilamuto, obviously the MVP and Bryce Harper in there. You got... Pretty good team here. And George Roy is a pretty good manager, so we'll see how that goes. At their best, I got them winning 88 games, going 88 and 74. Can they make the playoffs though and finally get over the hump? That's to be determined. We'll have to wait and see for that. But like I said, the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies are the three teams in the National League East that I believe will make or trot or potentially compete for a playoff spot out of the East. Now, we got two rebuilding teams here in my starting... I'll start with the Miami ones. I'll start with the Miami ones, who I think is going to finish in last in this division. But they did sign some bets. They they signed Osvaldo Garcia and Jorge Soler, so they added a little pop to that lineup. Obviously, this is still a very young team, still a very rebuilding team. Josh Chisholm in that lineup still very young, but they have some talent. They have some talent, so... It's going to to see if they can keep games close. Can they steal some series? Can they win some games? I do have them finishing at their best in 70 and 92, but I believe this team could be better if this young Marlins teams continue to make the next step. They do have some very surprising young arms, including guys like Sixto Sanchez and so forth. I do like the young arms in the rotation, but we'll have to see if this offense... This young offense for the Miami Runs can take that next step towards being competitive in the East. They're not there yet, but they're going to be close, especially if that young pitching, like I mentioned, develops even further, if that line develops further, if they bring out some of their top prospects, so I think could be really good. We'll see how it goes for them. And of course, last but not least, we got the Washington Nationals, who I believe are going to finish with a regular 75 and 87. They added a big bat in Nelson Cruz who's going to be a really good DH for them. And he is gonna, he's going to be one of those guys that whose ex- careers can be extended because of the new universal DH rule. And I believe the Nationals will definitely, definitely benefit from having a DH in the lineup. Maybe they won't suffer any more injuries to the pitching staff, play Steven Strasburg, whose status is unknown. Now, this team had a hard time figuring out because obviously they got some pretty good players. Obviously, Juan Soto. Headlines, those good, pretty good players, but again, pitching, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this Nationals team. Only time's going to tell for them. Time's going to tell for them. They're either going to be competing for a wild card spot, or they're going to be near the bottom of the of the National League again this year. I'm leaning towards the latter. Obviously, what I said, what a 75 and 87 record for them. So we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. So, for the National League East, I have the Mets winning the division, followed closely by the Atlanta Braves, followed very closely by the Philadelphia Phillies, and then there's the Nationals, and then rounded out by the Miami Marlins. And that is my preview of the National League East this season. All right, so the Sweet 16 is today. So, I thought, why not make my picks for the Sweet 16 And just for last, I'll do it for both sides, men's and women's. So let's start with the men's Sweet 16. Gonzaga versus Arkansas. I'm going to go ahead and take Gonzaga in that one. I believe this will be a really tough challenge for them. Though Arkansas is not exactly a pushover. I've seen them play quite a few times in the SEC. They play really tough defense. So we'll see how to see how. Chad Holmgren, Joe Timmy, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs respond to that. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. But go ahead and give me the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Villanova's going to beat Michigan. I think Michigan's little Cinderella run ends here. Texas Tech, they're going to send Coach K into retirement. And if this is the last time you see Coach K, hell of a career, hell of a career. And Arizona beat Houston. Purdue. Sorry, St. Peter's fans, but I think the Cinderella runs and it's here. We have never seen a double, uh, we never seen the 15th seed go into the Elite Eight ever. And that's not changing anytime soon. Sorry, I think Purdue is just too good. Kansas, they will win their game against Providence. UNC, they are a red-hot team going up against UCLA. I do, I'm i going to pick UC, U, North Carolina. North Carolina is going to beat UCLA in an upset. And then in the battle of the double-digit scenes, Miami versus Iowa State, I'm going to go ahead and take Miami in that one against Iowa State. And for the women's side, um, South Carolina is taking on North Carolina. South Carolina has been dominant almost the entire the season. Just give me South Carolina. Iowa State's going to win their matchup. I forgot who they're playing. Doesn't really matter. Stanford, they're going to win their matchup. Doesn't really matter who they play. I, bl- I don't believe anyone can beat Stanford except for maybe South Carolina. Texas is going to win their matchup. In an upset, I'm going to take Tennessee over Louisville. And no, that's not because I need to – I go to the University of Tennessee. Okay, maybe it is a little bit. But I'm going to pick Tennessee to upset Louisville. Michigan, they're going to win their matchup against, I believe it's South Dakota. So, sorry, South Dakota fans, if there are any. Michigan's going to beat them. Notre Dame's going to win their next matchup. And then, obviously – Give me Yukon to win their to start, when there's matchup against, I believe, Indiana. But, yeah, those are my picks for the Sweet 16s. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Um, hopefully, I can try to get back into this more consistently, but, again, we'll never know. If I do come back next week, I do plan on talking a little bit more about more divisions in the MLB. I might just do a complete episode and just do the rest of the divisions in one big old episode. Obviously, there's still a lot more to talk about coming into the playoff race. Probably going to make my Elite Eight picks, which is going to be coming up here pretty soon after, obviously, tonight and tomorrow night. And, yeah, until next time. I'm out of here.